In this week's Bet the Process podcast, we'll be adding a few new segments. The first is the dumbest thing we said last week and the smartest thing we said last week. We'll be moving on to This Week in Futures, where we'll talk a little bit about where we see some value in some of the college games this week based on things that happened last week. We even give four of Rufus's college picks, which are obviously uh, a hot commodity. Uh, They move lines, and if you get them, you can actually get down uh, sometimes before the lines move, uh, as they did last week very much. Uh, We'll be adding a new segment, which is called Towder Sharp, where we talk about a few of the mainstream media people that are out there talking about sports gambling. And then we'll add our Super Contest picks and our Survivor picks. As always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app which is available on the App Store, which is the best way for the sports gambler to track picks, to see lines, to see updated lines, to get notifications on scores and games they have plays. I highly recommend that any of you guys who are betting on sports get this app because it will make your life much easier. And so with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode six of Bet the Process podcast, where Rufus Peabody and I are talking gambling, analytics, uh, and really all things football right now. So we wanted to try out a new segment this week, and we're going to start with that. And it's going to be called Dumbest Thing We Said Last Week, Smartest Thing We Said Last Week. So let's start with the dumbest thing we said last week. Rufus, what do you think that is? You know, I think you could say was that Arizona was the most value I'd seen all season in the NFL. And then I, I, I followed that up by like tweeting about it Monday, Monday afternoon. And yeah, that, that didn't really go so well after the first quarter. I feel like I looked pretty good, but I'd say either that or Mississippi state. What about you? that, That Mississippi state one was kind of fascinating though, right? Because that line opened at Georgia minus six and it was bet all the way down. I saw it as low as like Georgia minus two. That's a pretty significant line move. So even if it was the dumbest thing that you said last week, there were some other people that were equally as dumb. Um, as far as the Arizona game goes, again, like a weird game. Like they came out, they looked great, and they had that touchdown called back and then a missed field goal. And I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's maybe more instrumental for in-game betting. But I always wonder about moments like that, whether there are sort of like demarcations of uh, momentum or whether obviously that's just like sort of our cognitive bias playing tricks on us, our confirmation bias. You know, that idea that, you know, they went from expecting maybe seven points to all of a sudden just getting three. And actually like a very underrated thing that happened in that game and that I'm, I'm starting to realize, and I know this sounds stupid, but the special teams punting is so important these days, it seems like. You know, like the Dallas got back in that game with a short field right before the first half. And even in the even in their uh you know drive where they took command of the the, the game, it was really those short fields that got them there. Uh, Patrick Peterson decided not to field a punt at around the 13 yard line. It made um you know the Cardinals start with the ball at their own three or four yard line. They had to be conservative. They went three and out. They punted. They gave up a lot of field position in that transaction. Um, and so, you know, I guess what I'm saying is that, it, yes, the results certainly looked dumb. 
Um, but Arizona was was definitely much more in that game than not in that game. I mean, even even all that being said, they almost they almost had a backdoor cover. Yeah, and if I can jump in on what you were saying earlier, it, it does seem like when one team is really dominant at the beginning and you know basically has controlled the ball, looks like they're in complete control of the game and don't actually end up putting up as many points as they should. It always seems like, you know, you're like, okay, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because you know the other offense isn't going to go three and out every single drive. And that's kind yeah, of how I felt like, watching the Redskins. I mean, that's a oh, that's totally anecdotal. I think it's completely. Like, and it's a total. I mean, that's a total narrative, though. I think. I mean, like I exactly know what you mean, but this is one of those things where I think we should rise above this kind of like bullshit narrative stuff and actually look and see if there is something to be said for this idea of like this huge momentum switch or you know because this is what like the average podcast like the rj bells of the world they'll say oh this is regression to the mean not really even understand uh-huh. what the mean is but that no that's what they'll say they'll say like oh if one team's playing well and don't doesn't score like we should be the ones that are supplying or at least pointing to research that says whether this is true or not and, and and the only place that this is valid is really in the idea of of you know in-game betting i think well it's true and i think in-game betting the the sharp side generally is the side uh, is basically um not regression to the mean in the term in the way that the RJ Bells of the world use it. So it's basically not being too anchored to your pregame expectation. Like I guess if a team goes up 17 points early, the uh, uh, like let's say an underdog goes up early, the sharp side in in-game wagering is sort of expecting the underdog to sort of hold on and not betting the favorite to come back too much. But you know, by the way, that Oakland Washington game, it seemed like the Redskins controlled the ball early and didn't really put Oakland away. And as a Redskins fan, I was totally like, okay, you know, Oakland's going to come out and just score like, you know, 24 points in the third quarter and that'll be it. But they didn't. And so that's, I don't know, that's, we, we don't remember, we remember when our intuition is right. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's what confirmation bias is. It's, it's, exactly. it's remembering things that support sort of a narrative that you have in your mind. And that's why you need to be data driven because if you're really data driven, you actually are recording these things and you're looking at them. All right, you know, it'd be um, interesting to actually analyze that and sort of see if the. I mean, I, I don't know the best way to do it, but sort of see it when a team has, sort of their score has underperformed their peripherals early on, like they've been really dominant, and sort of see what happens if uh, something goes wrong. And I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be no momentum effect, but it would be interesting yeah. to look at. Uh, as far as dumbest thing I said, I think the Denver pick last week that I had. Um, it was sort of like, a, you know, even when I made the pick at the time, I kind of felt like this is like the classic square pick. You have a team that's looked amazing early in the season. Um, I really believed that there was a uh, you know paradigm. There was a shift in Denver. Like I, I felt like Simeon um, had played well um, and, and had become a better quarterback in the offseason. And, you know, I mean, in the end of the day, that was exactly the reason that that pick didn't win is because Simeon is still a pretty, you know, he probably is going to play well at home. He's probably going to struggle on the road. He had some very crucial turnovers and generally overthrew and underthrew receivers um, on that field. And, you know, Buffalo is that was the classic ugly home dog who um, had not looked amazing, but had not looked terrible in the first couple of weeks, but had certainly like played hard. Defense is probably a bit underrated. Um, and again, like I, I do look at that back at that even from a process standpoint and think that that was a pretty dumb pick um, to be espousing on what's supposed to be a smart podcast. 
Well, I, I remember telling you uh, last week that uh, that Denver, you know, I mean, Denver was at home last week, and uh, I didn't really, you, you can't really read too much into one game or two games in, in terms of the narrative shift, but, um, but you know what? I said some dumb stuff myself, too, so. Yeah. Smartest thing we said last week, I think it was really about our scoring narrative. Um, oh, yeah. The scoring is not gone. It is just a small set subset. The over was 11 and 5 last week. Um, I know that like we hit our four overs um, and I know even though like some of them I looked at like we had the over in the Seattle uh, Tennessee game and obviously early on I was like this is this is going to be a dead loser Um, but it's clear that um, you know maybe it's not clear because obviously it's just one week again but uh, from this again limited sample set it seems like maybe we were overreacting or there was some overreaction the idea of scoring being down. Yeah, I mean it's one week, but just like, but it's it's one week, so you can't really draw any conclusion from that. But that sort of should tell us why it was it was sort of a fool's errand to draw a conclusion based on two weeks before that. So you got your revenge last week uh, against Oklahoma State. Finally, um, I did. It paid I, off. I, I think we reverse jinxed it. <laughs> well, you By saw that that was going to be the team. From- yeah, you saw the line movement in that game, right? And I've heard that like part of that was like they announced that two of their offensive linemen were out for Oklahoma State, but that line went all the way down. I saw it as low as nine at Chris right before game time, so it went from fourteen, which is where you I think high pointed it, down to oh, no, I think maybe you got thirteen, but it, it went all the way down to nine. Um, and obviously TCU won outright um, by what 11, 10, 11 points and dominated that game um, i actually disagree with that narrative of their domination though oh okay well that's good tcu was very lucky in terms of fumble luck and actually you know beating a a top team and even though oklahoma state isn't the team that the media thought they or the public uh thought they were they still are were the number 10 ranked team in the country going in and normally when you beat the number 10 ranked country team uh by 13 you're going to have one of the best performances of the week, and that only actually ranked seventh. So they they did give up over 10 yards per pass to Mason Rudolph in the Oklahoma State um, passing you, offense. You actually, they were very good. Name, so good. You, learned, yeah. you finally learned Mason Rudolph's name. It only took you like three dominating performances and you betting against him every week. Uh, well, that's – that's. sorry, go ahead. No, no, I mean – you can't overreact either way, I guess. And, and you know, it's funny is I actually think there might be some value in Oklahoma State this week. Yeah, and That's it looks like you That's see a little bit of value in them in the futures now at 7-1. to Oh, no, Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, yeah, Sorry, not, not. Different, different teams. So segueing, you, then you actually see some value on Oklahoma State this week, minus 8.5 at Texas Tech. Um, I do. You know, there clearly is a little bit of value there in your mind, which is interesting because they've obviously been a team that you've thought was overrated by the market. So do you think the market is overreacting or is there something with Texas tech that's happening? Like why would you make that line at 12 when it's eight and a half? I think it's more of a Texas tech thing to be quite honest. And I do think that the market does tend to overreact to single game performances and Oklahoma state was not nearly as bad as um, they were. They did not play a particularly bad game even though they lost. So yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, if you look in, in other games, too, I, I, I like a lot of chalk this week, surprisingly. Last week, yeah. I was on all dogs in the NFL. And actually, 
through the first three weeks of the NFL season, I think I haven't had a single favorite to play on a favorite, but it's been very different. And, and most of the time I'm on dogs early in the college season too, but, but this week it looks like a ton of favorites. Yeah, I'm looking at one of the games that you see the most value in, Kentucky. I know that that line earlier was at minus 14. It's, not, it's now at minus 14 and a half, I'm assuming, because you bet it. Um, you make that line at, at minus uh, 22. I wonder if there is some like you know narrative there around Kentucky let down. Obviously, they um, pretty much had Florida, a team they haven't beaten in about 30 years, beaten. And then Florida came back with like sort of a, you know, an offense that is terribly is terrible. Uh, came back and scored a last minute touchdown to beat them by one. I wonder if there's like a hangover there that people are pricing in. That seems like a lot of value. Um, scanning the board again, um, I like it. another interesting one. You have UCF um, minus three and a half versus Memphis. You make that game UCF minus eight. Right. Um, uh, another and UCF has you know, been very good this season. In fact, I was I was on um, I was on our friend Ed Fang's podcast we recorded yesterday, and he said his uh, one of his rating systems actually has UCF as the number one team in the country. And I said like, yeah, he, make sure you, you know, your hand isn't like on the wrong key or something. Like, <laughs> restart your computer, please. But, but I mean, they have been a pretty good team so far. Yeah, I I read his actual newsletter where he talked about that and why that was, and he was using it as a sort of like um, as a you know advertisement for why you need composite models and all that kind of stuff. But I, I again, I this is like the crazy thing about you know some people that practice analytics and like don't like think about the idea of the laugh test. And I mean, I know Ed is trying to use this to highlight kind of like why you know he is he is trying to say like this does not pass the laugh test so i give him credit for that um but certainly ucf is well maybe they'll win the national championship and we'll all be wrong you know, and that's what i said i said like you know there's, there's a one in 1500 chance they win the national championship and then people are going to be like oh my god we have the new nate silver like this guy is amazing <laughs> nobody saw it coming but he did but but in all honesty what he's like i think the way he does it you know he's a Ed is a ridiculously smart guy. Um, he knows more math than I could hope to. I mean, he, he knows way, way, way more math than I do. He's got like a PhD in math or statistics or bio something. I, I don't even know. I think it's statistics from from from, from Stanford. Stanford. Yeah, he, he's. You, if you talk to the guy, you'll you'll uh, you, you'll see. No, I mean but, Ed is Ed, Ed is incredibly smart. I completely agree with you. I think the thing that but I think. The thing that drives me crazy about Ed is that he provides gambling advice and he's not really a gambler um, and he sells picks even though people like me told him not to sell picks. So Well, he says he's not selling it. He's not he's not selling picks this year and I think but, but the one thing I the way he approached it, he said for the the UCF uh, being the top team, he said that you know, he he that blends a prior with in season stuff, but the in season stuff doesn't use any prior. So he's saying like UCF beat Maryland like handily, and then Maryland beat Texas handily, and Texas, you know, it's so it's sort of like the transitive property in a way. It's like solving a matrix or something like that using three weeks of data, which you know you're gonna have some wonky stuff there if you do it that way, I think. And I said, Well, why not? You know, if if you compared UCF's performance against Maryland, like if you if you used Maryland's 
uh, a, a Maryland strength number that included a prior, I think you would get a much more reasonable number. But but then again, he said he integrates it with other models and stuff like that. So. Okay, so finally, last, we'll give one more college play that we see some value. Uh, I think this one's interesting because I've been watching this line. Akron opened as, I think this opened pretty close to even. Um, I think Bowling Green might even be a small favorite. The public or Sharps or whomever bet it up to Akron favored by three. Uh, sorry, yeah, Akron favored by three. And you see Bowling Green needing, should, should be favored um, in this game. Is there anything there that you see that's causing that? Um, not really. Bowling Green's 0-4. I'm just looking at this right now. But they've played some, I mean, they lost 49-7 to at Northwestern. That doesn't look good. Got blown out at, Mississippi, at Michigan State. Even lost to South Dakota at home. But three of the four games have been on the road. And I think it's easy to sort of, especially in college, I mean, there's a big difference between playing at home and playing on the road. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll again, the ugly... I'm not an expert on the team, so I, I can't, I, I literally can't no, but I mean, I think anything I think, about I, either of those teams. I think deconstructing your model in that way is, is interesting, right? Because I know that like when, you know, value in the NBA, some of it really comes from early in the season when teams have played, you know, effectively a, a difficult schedule, whether it's a road or, you know, just the people they've played and that difficult schedule has made them optically look worse than they really are. And maybe that's happening with Bowling Green here. Maybe this the schedule they've played has made them look uglier than they are. Certainly Akron hasn't well, Ak- been great this I mean, year either. Yeah, Akron got blowed out 52 nothing at Penn State, and they lost at home by 27 to Iowa State. So it's not like they've been world beaters or anything. This is like, this is a matchup between two very bad teams. But Akron did beat Arkansas Pine Bluff 52-3. to I have no idea how good Arkansas Pine Bluff is relative to South Dakota, but I'm assuming there's a difference. But I, by models, I said doesn't actually look at those games against division uh, against the FCS teams, um, just because there are differences between those. There's North, and we don't really have the data, the play-by-play data, to re- be able to really pick that up. But you know, someday, I, someday I would like to integrate that somehow. Okay, so touching real quickly on this week in futures in college. Uh, one one thing I, w- I do want to say is that we have this concept of, um, you know, Alabama being this by far the dominating team and, and sometimes even getting value on Bama because of how dominant they are. We talked a little bit at the beginning of the season about that. Um, clearly, this was a dominating performance against Vandy. How dominant do you think it was, Rufus? It was by far the most dominant performance of the year by any team. And I think it's one of the most dominant performances we've seen in the history of Massey Peabody college football. It's, you know, it feels like Alabama actually was unlucky to only win by 59. That's how well they played. And they, they would have beaten an average team on a neutral field by 55 points based on the fundamentals of that. So they, it's hard when you're as good as Alabama and already at the top to really make big strides forward, but they managed to do that this week. You said that they were held Vandy to only 11% play success, less than less two than, yards per play. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, and they basically and only ran 38 the ball plays. Well. So I think Vandy basically had like 70 yards or so right around there. Of total Did you offense. have anything that you wanted to talk about in, in sort of college futures? Yeah, um, it's I, I do see a little value this week with the lines you sent over. Um, I see a little value in Wisconsin at 30 to 1. But it's sort of minuscule there. Actually, I make them uh, a t- like twenty-seven point seven to one. 
they're the 10th rated team in my ratings, but they really have an easy path to the Big Ten title game. It would be a shock if they don't make it. They're 76% favorite to make it to the Big Ten uh, title game. And so, you know, obviously it's still going to be tough. They'll probably have to go through Ohio State there, and Ohio State is not a, not is a lot better than I think my model thinks they're better than people think. So another another sort of long shot that there's a little value on is Virginia Tech at 80-1. to 1. They don't have to deal with uh, Clemson on their side of the ACC, I don't think. And um, They're playing Clemson this week. Yeah, that's that's uh, a big game. If they win that game, you, you know. Oh, you're saying, you're saying that they, they don't have to deal with them on their side to make the ACC playoffs. Exactly. And so they could actually, I mean, they could, you know, a one loss conference champion is going to make the a one loss conference champion from power five school is almost a lock to make it to the uh, to the college football playoff. So they could I mean, they could drop theoretically drop a drop a game to Clemson. They still make it to the uh, title ACC title game, beat Clemson and they're most and then they're probably going to get in in that case. I mean, it could be, you know, there'll be a debate, I'm sure, if Clemson finishes with with one loss. And Virginia Tech finishes with one loss, but generally, I think the committee's been going with conference champions. I mean, they they sort of, um, yeah, that's what they their stated no, no, preference. I th- and I think Virginia I think Tech no will chance there right at the end of the year. Okay, I mean, I think no, I think no chance there that if they're both one loss teams, that the committee takes Virginia Tech over Clemson, wait, the defending Virginia, national champion. But if if Virginia Tech beat Clemson in the ACC championship game, I mean. They do look more at recent games. I don't think you can argue that. I think I could they argue. They value conference. I think I can uh, argue anything I want. This is like, a, this is like a very. This is a, a very new process that we have very little data on what the hell they're really going to do. And if you really, uh, having been a sports fan for as long as you can, if you really think the NCAA is going to do something consistent, and an NCAA committee that's completely subjective is going to do anything consistent, you're crazy like you have no idea about sports if you believe that that's true that's fair that's fair and that's why we add randomness into the sort of uh in the simulation in terms of uh, the selection and the criteria but i still think 80 to 1 is a good value on virginia tech uh yeah. let's move on to nfl and let's look quickly at the this week in in futures with the nfl um i see you have listed off that you still see um, some value in Philly. They're at twenty to one. Uh, sorry, and and you have sorry. They're twenty eight to one, and you have them at twenty to one. Um, Cincinnati sticking with your Cincinnati, guns. You got man, I hate that. I mean, they they outperformed Green Bay last week, and someone on Twitter was like, you know, well, they actually. How, how is that the case when they had they were outgained in terms of yards per play, and yeah, and but here's the thing: we don't factor in quarterback or like quarterback kneel downs. And when you adjust for strength of opponent and home field advantage, Cincinnati played the better game, but they didn't win. But yeah, I mean, zero and three, it's really tough to have to. You know, something's gonna have to change drastically for Cincinnati to actually have any prayer of making the playoffs. But you know, I, I think four twenty-five to one still high. I mean, I make it 140 to one, which to me still seems like it. You know, it seems like that doesn't necessarily pass the eye test. I mean, does it to you? I mean, they're yeah. 0 and three and haven't played particularly well. Um, they are. I think this is an area where your model is is weighing priors, and 
you know, like you have a track record of doing well doing that. So who am I to argue with you on that? But um, it does, you know, if you, if I would certainly give Cincinnati at 140 to one to anyone, I'd give them probably at 150 to one. I'd probably give them at 200 to one. Would I give them at 425 to one? I don't know. Maybe it's, it's like very, very, very <laughs> unlikely that they win the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah, but again, like this is like, you're, this is a hard way to make money. Obviously, even if you thought Cincinnati was value, you're, you're not going to get to do, make this bet thousands of times, right? You're not going to get them to no. simulate out the NFL season thousands of times where they win once in that, you know, thousand times and you, you cash off your big payday or whatever. Right. Um, right. But you know, over the long term, like in a sport like golf, when you you know you have long shots every week that are eight hundred to one, nine hundred to one, and I, I once bet on Ted Potter at nine hundred ninety nine to one to win the Greenbrier, and he did. And you know somebody, I think that was yeah, I'm sure that made somebody yeah. not very happy. But like those things do happen. You know who that made happy? Ted Potter because he won. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't even know what a Ted Potter is. I've never is, is he played in any new majors? Ted Potter Jr. He does not look like a golfer. He's sort of short and squat, and yeah, is he, he's a lefty. Is he related to Harry? Is he related to Harry? No, no, he doesn't. Look. Okay, yeah, Bad joke um, side. <laughs> Anything else hey, on hey, NFL futures? Other, uh, you know, you want to look at other teams that don't really have a chance. Uh, Cleveland at fifteen hundred to one. I only make them twelve fifty to one. There's uh, value. The Jets at two. But, but you want to hear more value? The Jets at two thousand to one. And by the way, the Jets last week were offered at the Westgate at nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine to one, which I think was just sort of almost to make a statement and say like the Jets really have no chance. And then what do they do? They come out and beat Miami twenty nothing, and they're now only two thousand to one offshore. And I don't. I think I'm not sure what the Westgate has them at, but I make them five eighty seven to one. And I didn't really think the Jets were nearly as bad as people did going into the season. I don't, do you, you know, I had them last do week. That if, do you think that if you had a, a two-sided market on this stuff that you would be trading in and out of this stuff all the time? It's a good question. It depends on what the juice was like. And I, I would like the two-sided market, too, for, like, making the playoffs, missing the playoffs and things like that. I think that would be really interesting if it just traded like a stock. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that's an opportunity to provide you know, exotics like that when, when sports gambling becomes legal um, in the U.S. But I guess, like, I don't know. It's hard to... Well, you, know, you know what way you could do it? Do you, you know what... Um, oh, so trading on, on the political futures... Oh, what was that site um, that offered... It was for, for recreational purposes or for educational purposes. Like, you could trade up to $800, $900 a position on um, the well, political futures... And but wait, wait, like, they didn't charge the vig until basically the commission was charged on your position once you closed it, so you could trade back and forth a lot without paying basically a vig on that. And I think that's a really good idea. It, it, it builds best. liquidity too in a market. Yeah, that was probably done by an academic that understood how markets work versus a business person who's trying to make money. Yep, that would be my guess. Um, all right, well, let's move on to. Our Mythbusters Faderade. Uh, I think this one's going to be relatively quick this week. Um, obviously, the narrative from last week—you hear it everywhere—was that you know the the home dog has barked. Um, the, the numbers last week, especially in the early games, with the home dogs were were incredible. I 
I think, you know, it was something like nine and two early on. And um, generally, like I looked at like last week's results and I was like, man, every sharp gambler must have done well. How did we, my, my group actually lose money last week in the NFL? It was almost sickening to think about. Um, but, um, you know, what it, what it, it what, what do you think? Is that narrative true? Was this a was this a big, as they say on these pros versus Joes, you know, sharps versus the public? Was this a big, you know, victory for the sharps this week? It was a nice victory for me and my Masky Peabody picks, except for the Life Arizona is, game. It's not all about you. This I, is not I know, I know. I know you did well last week. As much as yeah. I don't give you crap when you do poorly, let's not celebrate how when you do well. Otherwise, we're like one of those traditional tout podcasts where we only talk aloud and we do well. So but you, you, you waited. I mean, I was going to say just because I went four and one doesn't mean that like everything was I don't know that it was necessarily the sharp. I mean, every that underdog home, all home, home underdogs were sharp. And, you know, the week before that, I went like I got killed. So <laughs> it happens. I'm it just happens. teasing you. It's, I, 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 you I get know. to take a victory lap because you looked the the NFL stuff last week was awesome obviously arizona didn't pan out but everything else that you had you had the jets um i did you end up taking minnesota right. i would have thought you took minnesota at plus two and a half yeah i did i did i had and i had um cincinnati as well but but i think what it did validate i think was this sort of notion that underdogs were being undervalued by the market at this point in the season because there is a lot of parity this year and maybe the markets haven't picked up on that because I don't know why. Like normally, I do have more dogs than favorites, but this year I've had like all dogs, no favorites at all, and that's. It's not like I've changed the model so that that should be the case. It somehow this season is a little bit things are a little more compact, I guess. But people think that the bad teams are really bad, and I don't think the bad teams are as bad as they do. Well, I think a little bit of what you're seeing is like last year during the course of the season, there was a lot of you know uh, what we call public bets. So. Um, you know, favorites, short favorites, whatever. A lot of them were covering, you know, the, the, the narrative last year was that Vegas was going to end up having to shut down for business because they were losing so much. So maybe this year you are seeing a little bit of an overreaction to that um, where um, the books are try just trying to make sure that they're getting enough money on dogs that they don't end up in a similar situation to what they did last week, last year. That's a really good theory. And I think it, you know, I, I kind of like that because I got killed last year, so it makes me feel like, okay, you know, maybe last year was an anomaly, which, of course, I want to think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem with the NFL, again, is that the NFL is inherently a small sample size sport. Even when you get down to the end of the season, you you only have, you know, 16 trials for most teams. Um, and 256 regular season games. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's hard, and it's hard to, to really feel, um, especially – like all that we talked about, we talked about fumble luck. It's like very well known now. Everyone's talked about how turnovers are, you know, very um, correlated with winning, but aren't necessarily something that you can predict going forward. They're not um, just because you turn over the ball a lot early in the season doesn't mean you're going to continue to do that, and and vice versa. Um, that's a well understood narrative now. I think by by mainstream media, it's it's. I think it's gotten to the point now where it's no longer something that like really underrates or overrates teams because people just all generally understand it. Um, yeah, you I think agree. I mean, markets reaction? keep getting tougher, you know? Every year, it's tougher to win. You have, As, as I always say, you have, to, you have to be improving just to stay the same. All right, well, let's move on to uh, our new segment, which is going to be called, and it's a, it's a hybrid or a sister segment for the 
segment that we do where we do Faderade or Mythbusters. It's going to be Tout or Sharp. And we'll say three people um, and discuss whether they are a Tout or a Sharp. The first one is someone that we talk. I figured we get this out right away. We want to talk about the people we t- we've talked about all the time. Steve Fezzik, Tout or Sharp? Tout. Tout. I you mean, think he won the time where he was a sharp. He's the only two ever, you know, two-time super contest winner. You know, right. but that's like saying I, I won a, you know, I won my March Madness pool. You know, it's playing a contest is a huge amount of luck, and it's there's game theory involved. There's getting stale numbers. It's very different. I mean, it's yeah. And that was how many years ago? I don't know. All I know is that people that track have been tracking his picks say he's down like hundreds of units and he's selling them and so i don't know i mean that that says all i mean it, yeah and when i've heard him talk it, he seems to be kind of buying into a lot of narratives that are not really necessarily quantitatively um driven and i know he's a former actuary and i think when he got into this he might have been a little bit more numbers but i think he's sort of uh, when, when you're selling picks you kind of have to um you have to speak a certain way and, and I guess to be able to sell picks, you need to cater to the masses in terms of the way you approach things. What do you think? It's almost like he's been, a, it's almost like he's become a character of caricature of himself. Um, certainly if he was really an actuary um, and I have heard him do some analytics that I, that I'm like, Oh, that's relatively insightful. Um, but generally, yeah, I agree with you. Like you can tell, and, and the, the name of our podcast, obviously, is about the process. So as much as we like to vilify him for, you know, the fact that I think earlier this year he was down like over 100 units for his clients um, and people were tracking that and make fun of, making fun of it on Twitter. But even just listening to him on some of the podcasts um, where he's talking through the process of, of why he came to the bet that he's come to, I agree there, there are often like these false narratives and things that like are not based on analytics and, and very much based on, um, you know, what you would consider to be, you know, mainstream sort of like tout type um, behavior. All right, let's move on to his and, boss. And, and, wait, and didn't he say that home field advantage can range from, I think you said this last week, that he claimed home field advantage can be anywhere from like one to four points for NFL teams, depending on the No, 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 the he team. actually said, he said it can be zero. I think he said Jacksonville oh. has zero home field advantage. Okay, so that, that like tells me all I need four. to know. Yeah. Where does he think home field advantage comes from? Having fans? I I think none of us really know that though. So at least in that we you know, again, like I'm that's true. This week was this week was fascinating to me, right? Like this idea in the NFL of a lot of these home teams winning in situations where, you know, knowledgeable sports fans would say, would they say, like, is there any way, you know, that that Pittsburgh will lose to Chicago? I mean, not a lot of people would have believed that that could happen. And I, I know that it's underestimating like what probability distributions look like. Obviously, there's always a chance things happen one way or the other, outcomes, blah, blah, blah. But there is there is some strange thing that happens uh, in, in home field. And I don't think like anyone's ever been able to isolate exactly why it is. Well, I think, you know, ref bias, familiarity, and then the travel. But you know, these are all things like you don't you yeah. don't know for sure what it is. It's There's a whole bunch of things that we believe that it could be or should be, but ultimately, which is which is the thing or what are the drivers? I mean, Fact. it's hard. Home field advantage is stronger at the beginning of the game. I think that's a good argument in favor of the whole familiarity thing. But yeah, you're right. It, 
but that's we don't that, know again, what it is, but like, still. again that's 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 not true necessarily that that's a perfect example of of the familiarity thing it could also be an effort thing right you could also say that like or at the beginning of the game you know the home team is has more effort because they're at home and that the crowd energizes them or something right and that lack of effort sort of wanes or the equalizes as the game goes on yeah i mean you make a good point we really don't know it's it's all speculation there's yeah yeah well maybe maybe a real area for good research would be be in that area all right let's move on to warren sharp sharp or tout what do you think rufus well, his name is Sharp, isn't it? But in all reality, I, I really think the guy is a Sharp. I've met him. I've talked to him. He's a really smart guy. Um, I know he's some sort of um, quantitative engineering type background. Um, he lives, breathes, sleeps, eats football. Maybe not eats football, but if he could, he would. And, uh, you know, I, I think that his process seems good. He's a numbers guy, but at the same time, he really delves deeply into... Um, into the game and is able to test a lot of theories, I think. But you know, when you're spec, when you're talking about a guy like, I mean, I I don't I've never seen his models or anything like that, so I don't know for sure. But I think the but I, but I believe having talked to him that he's a sharp guy. All right. Well, um, let's move on. Do you agree? What's I mean, I've read his stuff. On? I've read his stuff, and I I do think there is some sharp, you know, analysis there. Um, again, it, this comes back to this idea that, that people who sell picks, can they be sharps? You know, like, can we, can, can we really say that they're sharps? Um, and you know, I think like you said, like he's got some really good analysis and he certainly knows football. He watches football. Um, I, I'm pretty impressed with him. He did an analysis of the deflate gate stuff. I think that I, I generally had some problems with, I didn't think it was done that well. Um, that. But that's sort of neither here nor there. Um, so you know, again, like I would, I would definitely not call him a tout, um, even though he sells picks. But I think that you know there are people that believe that anyone who sells picks are, is a tout. Um, so let's we'll call Warren, we'll call him a sharp. And, and you know, he doesn't come from a gambling background either. So I think it, I think it's easy to sort of say, oh, why is he doing this rather than betting? But when you're not coming from the betting side of things, it's it's I don't know, it's very different. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the Hilton contest picks. Um, do you have your picks for this week? Last week we were three and two. Sadly, it looked like we were on um, a good uh, road, a good potential um, first real decent week in the Hilton contest. We were looking at four and one, I was hoping, but ended up only three and two. We had... Denver minus three, my mistake. The Jets plus six. Uh, Cincinnati plus eight and a half winner. Washington plus three winner. Um, and then we had Arizona plus three loser. So how about this week? Um, do you have your thoughts on what you like? I do. Um, I, I want to let you lead off, though. Oh, really? I've been leading off. I'm, I want you to lead off this week. Okay. I am going to go with... I'm going to try to stay away from the traditional road favorites that I've taken. Um, looks like the Rams are down to six. I like them. It's plus seven. I'm going to take San Francisco plus seven against Arizona. 
Do, yeah. but do we know the contest number? The contest numbers we aren't. We don't know the exact point, contest so that numbers. This right makes now. it tough. It's Wednesday morning, but we, we, you know, we we'll have to do as best as we can. And yeah. then I am going to take. Let's see, Philly at plus one against the Chargers. So Arizona, or sorry, San Francisco and Philly. So you're you're yep. you're going dogs. Okay. Yes. Uh, I like the Philly one. I, I actually, I was thinking of making Arizona minus seven my pick, but um, so <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I'm going to take the Rams. Um, I think that's plus six and a half. It might be down to six. I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to take the Rams, though. I'm hoping it'll be at six and a half. I'm and guessing you already bet them at like plus seven and a half or something. I think probably, I don't know if it was that high. Seven, six and a half. I don't know. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, I'm also going to take. Green Bay minus seven against Chicago. So, Green Bay minus seven, huh? Yeah, I, if that's seven and a half, though, I don't want it. So, is there a way to like sort of? The do problem that is for... that no one is going to actually hear this. Probably it'll be right before that. So, why don't you take a different team? Okay, that's a Thursday. Well, night. people, people can. Yeah, I mean, they hear that I might have been on minus seven. Um, I will go with in that case. I mean, do I do I do it? Do I stick with it? What do you think? Jets or Carolina? Those are both like about the same. Uh, I, I like them about the same. Our model likes numbers. Carolina. What do, so okay, we'll, we'll go Carolina then. That way we're uh, yeah. And I I like the Jets also. So I think that'll be our mutual pick. So it'll be Jets plus three, Carolina plus nine is what I'm seeing. San Francisco plus seven, Philly uh, plus one. Those are our picks. Uh, for this week, for this week's Hilton contest, and then uh, sorry, can I say for the can I say for the record, just like I did on Denver last week, and I this week I'm probably I'm sure you'll it'll I'll be proved wrong because uh, on my love for Arizona, but but I, I want to say shame on you for picking San Francisco. You sit you homer. That's not a homer pick. I don't. I mean I. I, those are what the numbers, our numbers say. And I'm a Patriots fan. I'm not a Niners fan. I'm, I, right. I live in San Francisco, but I grew up in, <laughs> in Boston. So that's not really a homer pick. I know. I'm just giving you crap. Okay. Let's move let's, on let's to, to Survivor. Survivor. So last week, uh, we talked about New England sort of being the, the, the best pick because of how much their chances of winning were, you know, sort of better than, than other teams. Um, I actually took. New England in one and Philly in another. I thought I was going to be out of both. Um, I know that Green Bay, again, was another pick that some people took. Um, it, it was a messy week, and a lot of we could have had like, pretty much everyone out of Survivor picks last week, uh, but everyone, a lot of these teams sort of pulled it out in the last minute. Um, going to this week, the top five picks are probably Seattle um, with going against the Colts, New England going against Carolina, Atlanta at home versus Buffalo, Green Bay at home versus Chicago and Arizona at home versus San Francisco. Um, obviously you like Green Bay. It looks like you probably like Arizona. Um, I, I think more I mean, people is, probably are going to be on Green Bay than Arizona. So I think Arizona is probably the one I would take. Yeah. I think, I think that's Arizona sort of, is, even with my, even my numbers liking San Francisco in this game, Arizona has like zero future value. If you're ever going to take them, this is the time to take them. So 
I would definitely, and their popularity is is relatively low. It looks like about seven point three percent. I would and definitely take them in one of mine. And I have them as a slightly above average team. I know you probably don't, but I do. Uh, I don't. I yeah. I mean, I I don't think they played as bad against the as the Cowboys as the, as you know. I think they played. They weren't. Good. I think that they weren't good. Right. Okay. So the, the I think the line, they just need to be able to protect Carson Palmer. But I, I feel like they have some injuries on the offensive line. But um, it's not an easy fix, unfortunately. I, th- I think that offensive line is about as like is sort of it, it's one of the. There's no quick fix for that. How about this one? Maybe I'll take uh, Cincinnati on the road at Cleveland. There's never a time that I'm going to take Cincinnati. I mean, I guess I might take them at home against Cleveland in Week 12. If I'm still around, um, yeah, that uh, might, yeah. But our model actually likes Cincinnati even even in this game at minus three, so I make that I make that spread minus three, so. But you know that that is sort of, I mean that is, going against the grain. That's the ultimate sort of, um, zagging when everybody else is zigging type pick. And if you really want to be safe, obviously Seattle is is a pretty safe pick against Indy. Um, they have a decent amount of future value, obviously, because they're Seattle and they'll probably play better. But you don't really see using them until maybe week eight against Houston, maybe at home. Um, so I might take Seattle in one of mine, even though they'll be super popular. Um, but in terms of like feeling safe in one pick and then taking a chance um, – Mine might be Seattle and then Arizona and then a, a real risky one in Cincy if you if you want to like maybe try to win the pool this week. Yeah. All right. I mean, Seattle, I mean, I make them the biggest favorite of the week. 80, 88% to win, almost a 15-point favorite on my number. So I have no argument there. All right. So let's recap real quickly uh, from this week. What did we like in, in college? We talked a bit about uh, Oklahoma State, uh, our revenge against Oklahoma State, but now that revenge uh, and, and what people saw on the field has given us a little value this week where we like Oklahoma State minus eight and a half um, at, Texas Te- at Texas Tech. We like University of Central Florida minus three and a half versus Memphis. We like Bowling Green plus two versus Akron, and we like Kentucky giving 14 and a half to Eastern Michigan. Um, in the NFL, Um, still seeing some value on Cincinnati. So run out and get your Bengals futures. We talked a little bit about the touts that are out there. Um, Our Hilton contest picks to recap. We like, uh, let's see from the top. We like the jets plus three. We like uh, the Rams at hopefully plus six and a half. Although it looks like that line is going down. It opened at eight and a half. We like San Francisco plus seven we like Philly plus one, and we like Carolina uh, plus nine. Hopefully that's what it'll be when it's all said and done. For Survivor, um, we see some value or we see some interest in Seattle, even though they're super popular. Um, we like Arizona as a potential option, and if you really are feeling risky, maybe Cincinnati on the road at Cleveland. So thanks for listening. Um, as always, we're brought to you by the Sports Action app, which is the best way to track your super contest picks, your betting picks, your get your lines, get your line updates. They have great notifications, all that kind of stuff built in. It's available on the App Store for free. 
And Rufus, you want to say goodbye from this wonderful, like, little palupa or whatever you're in? Havar, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Havar, Croatia. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really nice. It okay, great. Gorgeous. Thanks, guys. See you next week.